Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys tell you a little bit about what got them into real estate and try to help you prepare for showings and open houses. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. My name is Charlie Sardelli, and I'm here with Jameson Amaros, Oscar Ibarra. And today, we got a pretty interesting conversation, for hopefully, you. right? Um, and as you guys can see, we got one of our favorites in here. Very special bottle. Yep. I mean, um, it's a great bottle. I've had it. Yeah. It's been a while. So yeah. we'll see. Awesome. Well, last week, we told you guys we were going to get our contact a little bit up, more updated for you. Um, that way, you know, it's not three different things that you have to take, right. take into account, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, Jameson, what's the what's the new the new contact we got? Yeah. So uh, you can find us via email at uh, r e s o t r at themilehighperspective.com. And if you want to get a hold of us, we actually have a singular phone number. Yes. Um, so if you guys ring this, it'll go to any three of our phones, and we'll be able to help you out. Uh, that phone number is three zero three five seven eight zero two six three. So one more time, and we'll drop it down below us in the video too. Three zero three five seven eight zero two six three. Obviously, you can find us on our social medias. We all have kind of unique social medias. So Oscar, where can we find you? OscarTheRealtor.com. What about on TikTok? OscarTheRealtor. Boom. Charlie, I am that lifting agent or the lifting agent. Instagram and TikTok. Wow. Very nice. Yeah, all my stuff is Oscar the Realtor. I made sure it, it, it took me a while, but yep, I got it done. Yeah, hey, makes sense, right? Get her done. Uh, you guys can find me at the Colorado Real Estate Guy. That's on Instagram and on TikTok. Yep. Hey, guys, remember, subscribe uh, to the channel. That way you get our notifications every week whenever we post our video. Yep. And we are also on uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google, all those platforms as well. So if the video isn't isn't for you, you can always get the audio, listen to us while you're driving, you know, at night, in your room, whatever you want to do. I would prefer not at night. I don't want to put you guys to sleep and be responsible. Or in a room. Car accidents. <laughs> I don't. If you're in your room. It's kind of oh, weird. You can do it, I guess. I don't judge. It's it's, it's your it's your <laughs> time. You do what you want. Well, we had what was it? We had we had a couple that was watching it like Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, and yeah, 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 that was that was interesting. <laughs> listen, we we appreciate either way. So yeah, yeah. if you guys want to get a hold of us, however you guys want to listen to us, watch us, mm-hmm. have, watch us make you know fools of ourselves on Instagram and TikTok and whatnot. That I, by all I means, that. by all yeah, means, I definitely do that. Yep. Um, well, today we have a wonderful bourbon for you. We actually mentioned it last week. We did. Uh, when we were trying the horse soldier. So um, this is going to be the smoke wagon, uncut and unfiltered. That is correct. Right. And Jameson, just go ahead and give us that that luscious description. That <laughs> Well, <laughs> before I embarrass myself with words, uh, <laughs> the thing about this. So smoke wagon, you know, a lot of there's a big misconception that. So this is distilled in um, Las Vegas, right? doesn't mean that it's made in Las Vegas. So there's a big misconception that if you see a whiskey in New York or Las Vegas or Colorado, it's actually, you know, made there. Mm-hmm. Most of these are made in Kentucky, right? And the companies will then buy the barrels. They will ship the barrels to wherever their distillery is at. In this case, with Smoke Wagon, it's in Las Vegas. And then they will take their master distillers and tasters and mix those barrels to come up with different flavor profiles, different proofs, so on and so forth. This is one of my favorite because I think... Again, I've had this before. Charlie, you have not. No, I, no, this is one I haven't had yet. It's definitely a higher proof, right? So I think it's 56% ABV. So we're right. sitting at about almost 116, 117 proof. Mm-hmm. It does not drink like 117 proof, but it does give you that really nice kick. And they do a fantastic job batching these every single time they come out. Yep. Um, the Uncut Unfiltered, I think this runs about 75 bucks, somewhere around there. Yep. It is a little bit harder to find. So you got to do some hunting. 
They've got uncut, unfiltered the younger, which we have tasted before, which is also fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's going to be uh, a little bit less uh, from a barrel proof standpoint. Uh, but both of these are, I think, taste fantastic, just neat. I mean, the one that we had before, that was honestly the first time the smoke wagon, the first one that we had, yeah. I think it was episode two or three, was the first time that I had tasted a bourbon and I was like, wait a second, this has flavor. Right. Yeah, there's complexity yeah. to it. And that was, I believe, that was the single batch or small batch rye. I, yeah. yeah, the rye. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say, yeah. we, we finished that bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we, it was, was tasty. A long day. It was a long day. Right. A long day. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to. Uh, oh no! Just say it. Look at look right in the camera and say it. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. I I was waiting for you to do it. Whenever you have something bottled for a longer period of time, it tends to separate some of the elements, right? So in this case, there's a higher concentration of fats and sugars per ounce, and when that happens, what you will get is a very creamy, mouthy feel. Uh, All right, we did it. Okay, that's it. All right, those of you that are either listening just alone in your bedroom, I apologize. Or you're welcome. I don't know which one. Um, but Tell you what, there's nothing better than a creamy mouth. The reason that's important is because it is very high proof. So to have that uh, that that taste in your mouth uh, is good. Yep. From Mm-mm. well, I mean, God, I'm I'm just well, and, and to try to try and bring it back a little bit, right? Uh, and is that I just, how do we come back from that? Yeah, but. I don't know. Um, in all honesty, the fact that it mentions that creamy mouthfeel, you've heard us talk in the last couple episodes about the burn, um, and we always talk about that burn, but the creamy mouthfeel really comes from the, the ability of your, your body to not get over-affected by the ethanol in the bourbon. So basically all it says by creamy mouthfeel, that just means there's flavor. There's a complexity that's going to overwash all of that burn and, and what that normal, what's, what's the word, particulates that you get in the, yeah. in the bottles that make it a little bit more harsh. Uh, as it's going down, but I mean, even as you're pouring it, Thank just you. again, look at it. Like, look at the bourbon. What was the it's one a that great we had? Color. What was it? Two weeks ago. Um, even the last episode, I really wanted her to like that one. Yeah, it had a great story. I really, really wanted her to like that one. Um, different colors, different mm-hmm. contrast. This one has it's different time. Yeah, I mean, it's all that great. But I mean, again, trying to show it to you guys on camera here. Again, look at how clear that is. Right. That like just that shows amber. you that, that, yeah, that, and this is uncut and unfiltered. Correct. Right. So the fact that it looks no like water. that, yeah, facts that it looks like that it and it's uncut unfiltered, you already know that you're starting off premium. Um, and I'm excited to try it. And again, I did this last week as I'm sitting here, it's already like hitting my nostrils. I picture like the, the cartoon guy yep. coming in, like the scent and like picking me up. Yeah. Well, and what they do with this, with these barrels specifically for uncut and filtered is they mix older aged barrels with younger and it gives it that flavor profile of the tannins, so that alcohol burn that you're feeling, mm. they're tannins. And the reason those show up is the longer the alcohol is in contact with the barrel and the wood, the more the tannins get produced. But then you get some of the fruitier feel um, and some of the smoother flavors and smoother profiles from the younger barrels. Mm. And that is the whole purpose. And when I said that they actually mix and they buy these different barrels at different ages, charred, not charred, so on and so forth, and they will mix them and come up with their uncut and filtered batches. And each one of these is slightly unique because again, it doesn't use the same, the same barrels every time. I can't wait. I can't wait to get, get our guys on here and, and have them actually go through oh, yeah. and talk like, Hey, no, this is the notes that I'm yes. getting. Like it's going to be a lesson for us. It's going to be whiskey. Porn, porn, essentially is what it's gonna be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Whiskey, porn, whiskey porn. That leads like that. to a mouthy. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just not going to elaborate <laughs> on that. I just, just taste and I, I, I'm, I was so excited. And then after the whole creamy mouthy, I'm like, I don't know if I, why we do this. Show. I'd get a little bit more excited. Yeah. Can I, can I have some um, bourbon before you give me that uh, description? Well, let's all get a cheers in. 
Cheers. Let's give this guy a try. All right. Jeez. See, when anytime you drink bourbon, especially the beginners, yeah, <laughs> the first oh, sip, <laughs> gasoline. Mm -hmm. It's fire. It's gonna burn. It's not gonna be very tasty. Yeah, and it's gonna suck. Yep. But always the second one. You start. You start yeah. to mm -hmm. figure it out. What is it? What it tastes like and whatnot. This one, nothing. Well, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't it say doesn't it. have a burn. I, I have to say it. Don't say it. I'm, I get the creamy mouthfeel. I get it. <laughs> what, what, I wasn't know? making it up, guys. No, no. Did y'all hear that? Like, it wasn't. I was going like, just I was trying to block that part off. I was like, I, I, I'm not sorry. creamy, not creamy. I'm sorry, but it does. Sitting here, at, right? I'm it sitting does. here and I'm going, what would have driven somebody right. to put this on a website as a creamy mouthfeel? And I took my first sip, not the second, not the third, the first one. Immediately. But is it because you were talking about the creamy mouthfeel? No. And then your brain just like creamy mouthfeel, creamy mouthfeel, sip. Also like to remind you gentlemen, mm. this is distilled in Vegas. Mm. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Gross. Minus the creamy mouthfeel that you made, Bruce. <laughs> uh, I love it. First, first impressions. Well, all right. So, I mean, obviously we talked to, you know, that creamy mouthfeel, all that, that fun stuff. How many times can we say that during this podcast? Oh, there's going to be someone just some... <laughs> There's a counter. There's going to be a counter. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I work it in. Uh, but in in all reality, right when I got the first, right when I, I took the sip, it was almost a, a sweet, nutty flavor up front. And then as it, as it went back, I got more of that caramel, that sweet kind of flavor. If you guys aren't, if you guys aren't watching the video, they both just broke. I, I got them. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, just let's leave out nutty and creamy out of the same sentence, please. Oh, uh, I mean. So insolvent. Okay, I hate this whiskey now. <laughs> it was, no, it was my favorite. In, yeah, I, I, I would say that. really ruined it for me. <laughs> I, I will say that I the, the first sip blew me away more so than, than most other bourbons that we've had because you can feel that the heat is there, but it really packs on that flavor. You get more of that flavor complexity than anything, even on the first sip. I, I get the fruit side of it, but not like a fresh fruit. It's more of a dried, yes. almost candied yeah. taste mm -hmm. to it. And, and it, it's good. It's it's a really good bourbon. Yes. The one thing I'll tell you, so we've had some high-proof bourbons, obviously, mm -hmm. and a kind of overall theme every time I drink a high-proof bourbon is you get the burn, and then there's a distinct drop-off between the burn and then when you actually get the flavor profile afterwards. Yes. This to me, the burn melts into the flavor profile. Yes, like there's exactly. there's not a drop off. It's not like heat, nothing, and then candied apples. It's you get the burn and the heat, then you start to get the caramel, then you get the little bit of the fruit and the charred oak, and it just as it goes down, it just I mean. So one thing, like for the listeners and viewers, a good way for me to explain that the sweetness on the flavor is like that hour after you've had like. A coffee that has that has flavor like that creamer, mm. you can still taste it subtly, like yeah. at the back of your tongue. Yeah, and it's not it's not powerful, but it stays there. And I mean, yeah, that honestly, like I, I could just the sweetness that I'm I'm getting from it, I could see this being like a popsicle. You know, just mm. that it's that kind of light, <laughs> but it's there. A whiskey, a, a, a smoke wagon popsicle during the summer. You heard it from us. We're gonna make it. <laughs> trademark. <laughs> it's a trademark. It, it, you heard it here first. I don't know that you can. 
Bourbon sickles. Bourbon sickles. Because alcohol doesn't freeze. I mean, we, we could figure it out. You get some I mean, liquid nitrogen. We can uh, make some sessions. Yes. We'll make it happen. Yeah. We'll make it happen. You get, it's possible. Hold on. I was watching. If you have enough bourbon, you'll figure that shit out. Yeah. yeah. I was watching a cooking show. They used it to freeze uh, like desserts, just mm. pour liquid nitrogen over it. Yep. And I was like, this is like a science experiment. You could do the same thing mm. with whiskey, whiskey pot. 100%. Yeah. We're going to try. So, a, a good, a good, uh, back to the high proof stuff uh, for you out there that drink bourbon, Booker's. Book, yeah. Booker's is 129 proof, but that that's one that it hits you. It hits you hard yes. when you first drink it. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, I I haven't had it in a while, but I, I used to put a, at least a cube in there yep. yeah. just to open it up. It's just like Bullet. Right. Bullet, Bullet does the same thing. Yeah. This one is just, it starts off smooth. And yes. it, the burn's there, but it, it's not like it's not in your pace. It's not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not a kick in the and face. And I will say, it's a love tap. Absolutely. I would be a hard very, love tap. very excited to see how this tasted with a cherry wood or like an applewood smoke. On. Hey, I have one of those. Yeah, me too. Sure. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, that, next time I'll do that. I yeah. feel like that would just add another yeah. layer. Yeah, so if you let it that. sit in the smoke for like two or three minutes and mm-hmm. let it kind of seep in, mm-hmm. I think it would be, because it, it'll bring out the charred barrel taste of it mm-hmm. a little bit um, and give you that. I mean, again, it's just an extra, it's another layer. But it's great because this is complex, but it's yes. not complex. You're like, oh, what does it taste like? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's complex to the point where it's smooth. Yep. So adding that smoke flare, I think you can tell great. that the sugar in the barrel was caramelized. Yep. Just like that's the flavor that you get from it for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so wow. as as we get into uh, this conversation this week, for viewers at home, uh, we're actually going to cover two topics that are kind of, I don't know, hit or miss in the industry when it comes between real estate agents and their <coughs> clients. We're going to kind of go over some stuff about showings, what to look for when you're walking through a home as a buyer, um, maybe a little bit how to prepare for them as a seller. How to same, set up. Yep, how to set up. Uh, same thing. Why we conduct showings the way we do. Exactly. Correct. Uh, when to schedule a showing or how to get a showing scheduled. Yep. Uh, stuff like that, especially now that there's a lot of online options available where before you just have to call, get in the car with your realtor, all that kind of stuff. Now you can actually have your realtor set it up a certain way. No, no. You, you used to have to call other realtors. Yeah. And they would meet you. And give you a key, or they'd have a lockbox, and they'd meet you at the property. Yeah. Way back, there was a realtor book. Yeah, this is, was this crazy. is back in about 1927. That was before my days, but <laughs> I was at the cusp of that. That was when we were selling property on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> and we're back. The MLS was literally <laughs> DOSO. It was crazy. Uh, that was back when they remember the real estate, like the magazines you would buy? Yes. Yeah. And that's where the listings were? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, it's funny, because the small towns up in the mountains, like Frisco, Breck, mm-hmm. I say small town, but in comparison. Yes. Um, you still go to the, oh, they have those, just yep. little pamphlets. But I mean, up there, you can drive 30 minutes and you're not going to find the place exactly. on some back road. Exactly. Right. Um, but before we kind of get into uh, the main topic of the showings and the open houses, what we want to do is just kind of give a little bit of a background from us, why we got into real estate and why we're so excited to be doing this on the podcast, yeah. helping you guys, right? Um, so I'll start it out. As I told you guys last week, I was more of a, a hippie mindset, right? Um, I didn't really want the money, the the, the houses, all the, all these assets. I didn't want stuff, right? Um, but for me, it was more so realizing that real estate could be a way that I could have time and money, because mm-hmm. um, that's the most important thing to me is having enough time to enjoy my life, right? right? Um, I actually got my degree in criminal justice with a double minor in communications and psychology. So. Anybody who's going to college right now or FBI spokesperson. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to learn how to talk to people, you know, get in and be like, hey, man, what's 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 Polly doing over there? Why did you chill that guy? Yeah, yeah. Why are we talking with ASMR voices? Let me just say it. 
Got a suit letter in their bedroom by themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that's all the FBI. Tax. No, well, I mean, at the end of the day, when you're when you're talking smooth like that, it really comes across with that creamy mouthfeel. Again, <laughs> Jesus. I told you I'm gonna throw it in as much. Oh, as oh my God, <laughs> I'm never drinking this this bourbon again. Mm, Can't. But ultimately, uh, just kind of kind of keep it shorter, sh- short, sweet, and simple for you. I find this as a way to help people, and for me. Honestly, when I thought about getting into real estate, what I envisioned in my mind is those first-time home buyers, those young couples that are starting to build their life. I want to be that person that could go in and get excited with them, look at this room and say, "Oh my God, this is where this is where your baby's room could be. This is where your content, your your gaming room can be. This is where your craft room can be." What I enjoy is interpersonal connections and, and communication and seeing that happiness on people's yeah. faces. And I genuinely genuinely believe that real estate gives me an outlet for that. Um, and already just working with clients, talking with them, it's already paid off, especially because of how saturated the market is with agents that only care about the money. Yes. So it's been a breath of fresh air for me to, to go out and share that positivity and share that perspective with my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking forward to the future for sure. So thank you guys for being a part of it. Awesome. Oscar, what about you? My story's long. Long as the... Long as the Nile. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's just stop before the creamy mouth feel back in. So, no, I got into real estate in 2004. Um, I started off as a lender. Uh, and again, folks, I have had a hell of a week. I can't, my kids don't let me sleep. I haven't slept. And I'm, I'm training for a half marathon, so I'm, I'm running on fumes right now. So better man if, than I if I start babbling and not making sense, I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, 2001, I, I became a lender. Uh, my mom was... A victim of predatory lending, and it went it went sideways. Um, it got me interested in it. Uh, her real estate agent um, offered me to offered me a job after yeah. high school. I was still in high school, and um, I, that just stayed with me. And when all this happened, I called her up, and you know, long story short, I became a, a lender. Um, I was just, because I was young, it was hard to get realtors to trust me, and I was free calling and giving them leads, and I wasn't getting leads back. Yeah. So uh, I had a client. I was doing their portfolio. He was a big investor, and uh, he saw that, and he said, why don't you just cut him out? And I said, all right. So I did. 2004, I was uh, became a realtor. Uh, I was doing both till 2008, and there's more to the story. I won't bore you, but I did get into real estate because I wanted to— I wanted to show and, and provide something tangible. I didn't want to just be behind the computer, throwing out rates and calling it good. Um, I really do enjoy people. Uh, I, as my clients know, I, they're not just a number to me. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't matter how long we work on a on a, on a file or how short. I they kind of become my friends, and, and that goes with I'm, when I'm in realtor mode. I'm I'm in realtor mode. I'm just yep. absolutely all business. But then afterwards, we'll go have fun, right? Yep. So um, I dropped lending in 2009, but that's why I became a realtor. I mean, I, I saw the need, and uh, with my parents, I, I actually fixed all that, short sailed their house. It was it was a mess, um, but yes, I, I do. I truly enjoy people. I really do. And and I'll tell you guys what. In all honesty, Oscar's Oscar's doing us a favor by keeping the story a little bit more concise. But if you ever get a chance, take it from me personally, Oscar's growth story through real estate is amazing and it is inspiring especially as a new agent so you know reach out to him if you want or maybe we might even see something on the tiktok just to maybe give give yeah. some people I'm starting to do tiktoks yeah that's right folks i'm getting with the 
Okay, with the times. I like it. Well, I mean, like you said, you've been doing it since before. I mean, what? Facebook was only out for, what, six years? I think Facebook was just for college students. Yeah, exactly. College, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's awesome, man, that you're adapting and you're coming into it. And it's hard right now. And for everybody watching, if you guys think you could come sit on the podcast, come on in and do it because we welcome it. This is is the next stage, right? And we want anyone and everybody to participate with us because this is how you communicate the best who you are and then how you are. Um, so Jameson, let give us give us your end. I know where you came from. <laughs> you do know where I came from. Uh, no, so I uh, my story is not as long as Oscar's. Obviously, um, my original life plan was to be a lawyer. I wanted to go to law school, and I had my undergrad in political science and started doing uh, pre law, and just hated it, and ended up in the restaurant industry. I had been there since I was 16. Went full time when I was out, just to you know make some money. Started bartending. And I got into, you know, leadership roles and training and all that kind of stuff. And I did that for a long time. And then I had got an opportunity with uh, Best Buy, actually, courtesy of JC Ortega. Uh, he he was working at Best Buy, told me that it would be a good fit. And I went to Best Buy and I got some really good opportunities from a leadership standpoint, a development standpoint, coaching and training. And at one point, you know, I had a store with 75 employees and Charlie happened to be one of them back in the day. He was one of my leads. Uh, and I have always taken pride and interest in coaching, training, and development. I can attest to that um, heartily. To me, it's one of the most fulfilling things. If I know something and I get to teach that to somebody else, it's fantastic. The flip side is it also gives me unique opportunities to learn from those individuals, mm-hmm. things that I wouldn't know being in a leadership role, right? Yep. And was at Best Buy for a long time. Got a call again from J.C. Ortega. Uh, bugging me to get my real estate license because he found I'd be, I'd be good at it. And I, I went in, I was like, hi, ah, you know, it's, it seems like door-to-door sales and yada, yada, yada. I don't know if I'm ready for it. I don't know if I want to do it. And I'm jumping in and realized that essentially what I do is educate people. That's it, mm-hmm. right? Whether they're first-time home buyers, whether they're people that have bought three or four different houses. Uh, and, and the reason I think I've, I've gained such a passion from it is because it gives me the opportunity to come on a platform like this and give people a free education um, in an area that I think is one of the, obviously the most important decisions that people can make buying a house or selling a house, right? But also it could be one of the most lucrative. They can set people up, and we've had tons of stories around it before, of getting them in places in into places of their life that they didn't think was even possible before homeownership. So um, I know the common theme between what I've heard from you two and myself is we're in it to help people. Um, yes. The, mon- the money comes second, right? Which again, we provide a service and I think we do a hell of a job for our clients. So is it deserved? I 100% agree. Yep. Um, and I would you know, die on that hill. However, it gives us an opportunity, whether it's through mediums like TikTok or individual one-on-one relationships or meetings or a podcast to educate people in something that a lot of people think they know what it's about, but they really don't, right? And it's not their fault. It's just, right. Most people don't spend their time studying real estate. And yeah. if you do, you're an investor, you're a lender or you're in the industry, which that's fantastic. But we talk to people all the time that, you know, you said first time homebuyers have never done it. Obviously they need an education. Mm-hmm. I enjoy when I talk to people that maybe have bought and sold a couple of times, but it, we, last time they did it was 10 years ago. Right. How much has changed in 10 years? So now it's our job to get them up to speed and to walk them through that process and then hand them the keys. And that's why I got into it was I enjoy helping and educating people and learning in general. And this is a an industry that you could be in it like Oscar has for you know, X amount of years, 17 years, and every day there's an opportunity to learn something new from somebody else. Absolutely. And to that point, I'm purposely interviewing with other agents, lenders that are younger, mm-hmm. 
in the industry just to stay relevant, yeah. you know? And I mean, my degree was supposed to be in architectural design. That's far from people, yeah. you know, as drawings and yeah. um, engineering and stuff like that. <clears throat> but I do, I do enjoy people. And like Jameson said, there's agents out there that don't know. Sorry, I'm not talking stuff, but they, they, they don't know a lot about the industry. So we don't expect the consumer to. Yeah. And we're here to, we're, we're here to fill that void. I'm, I was going to say, I'm sorry, Oscar. I'm not, I'm not going to be nice about it. Again, I, I've been doing this now for about a year and it angers me how many agents are in this for the money. Yes. I genuinely do not care. Well, I mean, if they're in it for the money and they know what they're doing is one thing. I mean, they're, they're providing a good service, but there's some that just tone and I'm sorry, I but mean, how many people have you, have you talked to that you talk to them and they go, oh, yeah, I was dealing with a real estate agent. And after we closed, I didn't hear a thing from them. Like, I'm sorry, but if you're dealing with, with the one of the largest purchases anyone's ever going to make in their lives, mm -hmm. make an effort. I mean, like, I get it. Even if after closing, you just send them a message to be like, hey, guys, if you ever want to reach out. Yep. But I haven't even seen people getting that. All right. I hear well, mostly. I leave the closing table with, this is an over. Yeah. This The, the transaction is, well, call me. I just I'm got a phone call from a client last night as I was playing Call Duty at like 9 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. I answered, hey, what's up? And he had a question on some potential leaks uh, that were in the townhome, right? So I was kind of walking through troubleshooting, just different contractors potentially call HVAC people that I can get out, uh, HVAC, AC, water heater people I can get out to maybe take a look at potential leaks. The two things. One, I'll answer that phone call all day long. Absolutely. Number two, it meant a lot to me that they felt comfortable enough to even call me in the first place. Well, see, that's how you, you know, know you did a great job. So it's, it's and there's, there's agents that do that. I'm mm -hmm. sitting with two other ones right now next to me, obviously. Um, and it's not, this isn't meant to bash anybody else. No. What it's meant to do is understand mm -hmm. that if you haven't bought a house or you have, and you think you know what the process is and what that looks like, and you may not mm -hmm. lean on somebody that is going to not only give you the knowledge, but educate you and guide you through the journey mm -hmm. and ask the right questions when you're interviewing those agents. And if you, you know, if you get along with them, whatnot, that's, that's who you should go for. So and that is a great point right there. Um, a lot of people just hop on Google. And they go, real estate agent, you're me. You have every right to vet your real estate agents, people. Mm -hmm. Ask some questions. Guys, there's 1,251,000 no real estate agents near me right now. There's more real estate agents than houses on the market. Yeah. That's crazy. Right? And so it's legitimately just vet them. You know, And I understand it. it's you want it done, you want it simple, you want it easy. Interview them just like you're interviewing somebody, yes. somebody that you're hiring for your business. Uh, you saw in my presentation, I have three slots mm -hmm. to do some, ask some questions. And, and obviously in mine, it... it Oscar stuff and it's all checked out and agent one agent two agent three absolutely and we'll do that with your lenders as well yeah. as 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 an agent we have to give them give our referrals a three right yeah. these are three of my my top lenders mm -hmm. call them yep. if you wanted to just use one that's on you but I've I've offered three yep and absolutely. you know my my business uh proposition is always fill the need exactly. if, uh, when's the best time to buy real estate well, when you're ready, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put anybody in a house that they they one if if it's not I give them options. Yep. When when I have repeat clients like well, we want to buy a new house, let's sell this one. Any real estate agent like okay, let's list it, let's go. Well, stop. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about investments? Maybe you would just pull some money out of it, buy your new home. Now you have an investment and make some money. I mean, I'm not gonna list your house to make a dollar. Exactly. I'm going to give you options and let you, and some people don't like being uh, landlords. It, yeah, it, it is, it, it, it is a pain in the butt, but if they don't like being landlords, sell it and they want to sell, we got to show them houses. 
That's right. Right? That's right. And that's, that's what we want to talk about is, hey, what, is, what does the showing process look like and why do we do it? Yeah. Absolutely. 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 And I mean, it all starts with finding an agent. Yep. Right? So this, that's, a great, that's a great segue into, into again, how showing should be, should be put together as a seller and what you should expect to see as a buyer. Right? So, uh, Oscar, why don't, why don't you talk from the buyer perspective and Jameson, you talk from the seller perspective, and we'll give them uh, just some key points from both ways, things that they should look for from the buyer and things that they should prepare for as the seller. All right. So Oscar, give me some, give me some key points. And, and things changed, right? Now we set them up on searches. I don't want to find the house for you. I want you to find the house. So I always say, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this big search. It's gonna, and it's gonna, it starts big. And then as we go, show the first set of homes, you start um, trimming it down. Yep. And then it just gets narrow, and then you're only seeing either neighborhood or that kind of house or, or whatever the case may be. The first step, like the house. Okay, let's put a couple together. Let's, unless that's the one and you might just write an offer on it, I like to show five to six max. Okay. Why max? Not a time thing. Because after six, I've noticed people deer in headlights. Yep. And then they all start looking. Well, this it's just overload. It's overload. And, you know, you start, oh, you know, the cat house, you know, and, and it, it just, let's take it by steps. I mean, because there's some people like, I want the full day. Let's mm -hmm. go look at 20 houses. Yeah. That is exhausting. Mm -hmm. I'll do it. But you're not going to like it. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to be a mess. So to set up the houses, um, you know, people calling, hey, I'm outside of the house. Let's, let's, can we get in? First of all, we don't, we don't have magic keys at you know, open up every house in Colorado. We we don't. Back in the day, HUDs did. Okay. We had one key. You had a HUD key. I could open any HUD house in Colorado. But anyway, um, certain listings will say, "Give us a, at least two hour heads up," yep. because people live in the houses, mm -hmm. not all the time, but there 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 are people that live in the homes. So we have to call it in, and uh, the showing service calls the seller and says, "Hey, there's an agent. Oscar wants to go show your house at this time. Yeah, is it okay?" Then they call us back and say, "You got your go." Give us lockbox combination, and we have to do that for every house. Now, Oscar, do you recommend that uh, buyers send their agent with a list of things that they like, or do you recommend that they go with their agent and do these walks themselves? Um, what do you mean? To sh to, uh, for, oh. for a showing, right? Since we right. can do everything more digitally, and a lot of people, especially after the pandemic now, are stepping back and giving the reins a little bit more to real estate agents, do you think it's more valuable to the buyer to go with their agent to these showings to walk, or... Do you think that it's a good idea for them to just leave it up to the agent and say, oh, here's my feedback? Well, and, and again, I've, I've done a lot of relocation. I, I worked with a company that I was a relo agent, and there was times where I got phone calls, and I'd, I'd go walk the properties mm -hmm. and give them feedback and or do a video. Yep. And I've, I've submitted offers and closed, and the first time they sell the house was an inspection. So it, it all depends. It's situational, but 100%, let's go look at houses. And I walk with the with the client through the home, and I, I, I shut up. Yep. You know I could talk, mm -hmm. but I I stay quiet, and it's not because I'm not doing my job. I'm just grabbing the feedback. Yeah. What do they like? What do they don't like? And then we go to the next house, and I'm just I used to write it down, but now it just stays with me. Yeah. And then by the fourth house, they're, you know, veering off, and I'm like, mm -hmm. wait, wait, wait. Remember, remember the the checks that we did. Yeah. This is where we need, or or what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Because that's also, that's also going to help me yeah. refine the search. And, I mean, on that note, can you, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot with this one, but you think you can break it down to maybe three major things that you should you should have your eye on when you walk through the house? You know, just as an example, maybe molding, water heater, uh, carpeting, hard, hard floors. 
Can you give maybe three things that buyers should kind of have their eye out for? Well, you know, in the, the initial buyer's presentation, I, I take notes on what's their wants and needs. And that's what I base it off. I mean, there's not just one thing. Obviously, when it comes to, uh, unless he's an engineer or a, con uh, a contractor, yep. all the major things in the home, I, there, that's what inspection is for. Yep. Obviously, if, if we have some information from the MLS, hey, by the way, this house may or may not have foundational issues. Here's what we have. Or, you know, they just replace a hot water heater. Because when you go down, that's not, that's not the, the sexy part of the house, right? Yep. You know, curb appeal. Um, you know, it, is, the water heaters don't have that. Creamy mouthy cat. And there we go. Here we go again. <laughs> Brad, you don't <laughs> me off. Brad, that was good. I just wanted to take a second. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I, I, there's no three things that I say, that's what you have to look at. That's not how I operate, at least. I'm sure well, you no, two yeah. might have some, but I, I take notes initially with the, whether it's a phone call, Zoom call, or in person, and I try to point out those, the, the wants and needs. Because it's wants and needs, must haves, and can't live without, right? Yep. And then, um, oh, well, I, I, I can do without a two-car garage, well, but I would like one. And you know? in all honesty, Oscar, there's a reason I asked the question. It's because I knew that's where you'd go with it. And something that I think is very important for, for listeners and viewers to know is it's not a cookie-cutter thing. You're not just going to walk in the house and go, yeah, I like that, I like that, mm -hmm. cool, let's go, right? Yep. Well, that's an important, an important distinction because, and we've all seen it, right? If I talking about buyers and taking them through all these different houses, inevitably the wants, the needs, the must-haves, and the can't live withouts change because mm -hmm. other things start to take precedent, which if you guys are going through the home buying process with any of us or your own agent, that's perfectly fine. It, not only is it fine, it's expected. It, and that's why, as Oscar's talking about, hey, we cast a wide net because we know that as you go through, like you may sit there and say, hey, I need a three-car garage. I cannot live without it. But then you find that house that covers 90% of your other wants and needs and can't have or can't live withouts. And all of a sudden, the third car garage might not necessarily might not take be an issue. And if that's the case, do you want to miss out on the house? No. Right? You say, oh, well, actually, you know what? It does have a three car garage, but the, garage, the driveway is extremely wide and there's street parking. I can live with there's that. There's RV parking. Because it's got something else that I have not found anywhere else in this price point. So we, we expect those. That's what I was going to say. It's expected. Yep. It's expected to change. It's, 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 very rarely, that's the way we're going to do it. And also, don't and it's feel okay. bad. No, don't, don't feel, feel bad. bad. I've got yes. people that tell me, I am so sorry. Yeah. We're all over the place. It's our job. That's good. We're here to find you a house. Absolutely. I, I always have clients that, I'm sorry, we're looking yep. at so many houses. No, that's my job. Exactly. That's what I'm here for. Again, I'm here to help you. If you're spending that amount of money, our job is to make sure that you get what you want and you're happy with what you're living in. 100%. And... Um, it, the more we know, the more feedback, you go in there and say, you know what? That house was garbage. You're not going to offend me. I don't live in that house. My fiduciary responsibility is to you, right. not to the seller, not to the other agent. It's to you. Mm -hmm. You tell me what you want. I'm going to find that for you mm -hmm. or die trying. And that is a key point that I was going to go to with showings is don't forget guys, you know, obviously don't, don't throw your agent around and, and, you know, treat them in any kind of a negative way, but don't forget. They work for you. We are here for you. You have the final say. Exactly. We're here for you, and we can give you our professional opinion because that's mm -hmm. what we're going to do, but you have the final say. Yep. If I say, look, that's not where we sat. This is not what your pro your priorities were, are not this, mm -hmm. and you say, you know what, Oscar? I don't care. I want this. Okay. 
Yep. I just wanted to make sure you uh, that I that I verbalized it to you, and then I get to work. The best analogy that I've ever used for my buyers when I try to explain what my job is, if you go to AMC or not AMC, I'm sorry, AMF Bowling, and you have the bowling with the little kids that have the little stand, and then they have the bumper rails. Yes. My job is the bumper rails. The goal is the pins. If you hit the bumper rails 15 times on the way to buying your house, I'm fine with that because at the end of the day, I'm just there. And if we do have those conversations like, hey, I know we talked about this, but let me remind you our last conversation, you said this was or was not important. I'm only doing that to keep you in the lane. Mm -hmm. That's it. But if you hit the bumper rails 15 times, you hit the bumper rails 15 times. That's what they're there for. That's who we are. Yes. And yeah. that is, I think that's, every time I've explained that to somebody, they go, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, that's the whole purpose, right? We want to keep you on track, but we want to give you the leeway because at the end of the day, like Oscar said, you're living in the house. You may invite us over for the barbecue, mm -hmm. which by all means, we bring whiskey. Yeah, we got uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you guys are moving into the house. You guys are going to live there for the next five to seven to 30 years, whatever it is. So yeah, if you got to take some detours along the way and we see some things that are just way the fuck out of left field, that's okay. All that means is a data point. Yeah. Right? We need to get. We need to get to left field. Exactly. Yep. Again, if if it if things are going to change, I need to know. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I could stop sending you houses in this neighborhood exactly. or at this price point. Things will change. Mm -hmm. We need to know. Yeah. And it, it's not going to bother us. It doesn't. Nope. It, that's what we're here for. I'm going to change it. I'm going to switch it up. And now we're going to go after this. Yeah. So that's. And I mean, to kind of bookend, I would say the best. I don't know if you guys would agree, but the best way to prepare for a showing is to sit down, have a conversation. And as you're going through have a set idea of things that you want and things that you don't want. And it is your agent's job, like Jameson said, to keep you in between the bumpers and keep you on pace. Or if we need to change lanes, let us know. Yes. Yeah. Change lanes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we're not here to be like, oh, stay in your lane. No, you're switching lanes. Why? Okay, the more we know, all right, well, let's switch this lane. Absolutely. So ultimately, showings, the importance of showings is up to you, mm -hmm. right? Whatever you want. Those are the houses that you're going to see, yep. and those are the houses that we're going to show you. And, and again, if if you want to see a house right there and now, it's not us. We may be busy, but it's not us saying, oh, I don't want to do that. It's their steps, guys. I mean, I would love to just, like, let's go open that door and see that house, and we're done. It, it Most sellers, if they're living in the home, want at least an hour heads up. I mean, I would love 24 hours because you have to – plan it out as well yeah i mean yeah. i don't want to go zigzag through town I, I i i purposely do a route and end up either where we started or or the last house so i need time to do that yeah. i can't do it in, the, in five minutes and then we're rushing to the to the showing and i don't know anything about the house mm -hmm. i mean we don't know everything about every house i mean i know there's not a lot of inventory yeah. at, at one time there was thirty six thousand houses on the market yeah. yeah oscar oscar was a really good point Yes, we usually take a, a preferred route through town, right? Especially if you're new to the area. Yep. We like to give you kind of the tour as we're showing these houses and take time to set that up. But to Oscar's point about not knowing the house, whenever I show a home, I pull comparables and I call the agent. I get as much information. If we're showing four houses, we will have information on all four houses. Yep. But that takes time, right? Because not everybody's going to answer the phone. It takes time to pull comp comparisons because I don't want to take you to a house that looks fantastic in pictures, mm -hmm. right? Then we get there. And we go, oh, I don't know if this is worth $550,000 versus us just standing in the living room staring at each other like, I don't know if it's worth $550,000 either. Yeah. I can pull documentation and go, hey, guys, here's the deal. Here's the last five houses that have closed within a half a mile. Here's the different statistics. This one's more updated, less updated, more specific. Jameson is a stat guy. Well, Whatever that is. We, we all do that, but, but it's, it's data points. Right? I'm pretty sure Jameson knows the year and the, the architect 
by the time he shows by, up. No, by, yeah, by the time he gets there, he probably knows <laughs> what, what style of well, home. I like. know for me, like, and actually when I, this is mid, when I, we mid-century at, modern. Yes. When we were working at Best Buy, this is when it really smacked me, is when I first started, like, Jam- like Jameson, I came from the restaurant industry, right? So when I'm, now I'm selling people $8,000 televisions, I'm standing in front and they're like, what makes this TV good? I don't know. Right. And to me, somebody who was about to hand me that money, right? the fact that I didn't know, that bothered me more than anything. So for my yes. first week at Best Buy, I went home and I learned every stat about every TV because I didn't want to be a deer in the headlights. Well, we're in sales, right? Yep. I cannot sell anybody on anything if I can't sell myself. Exactly. I do the research and I make sure I know what I'm talking about. I know I'm confident in what I'm doing because- if I don't feel confident, how, how am I going to help the consumer? Yep. Yeah. And, and it just doesn't work. And what if you're in a scenario where, and we'll, we will start to get back into this this spring, where you have potential for multiple offers. Mm-hmm. It does not help my client mm-hmm. if I can't give them, at least on the spot, a ballpark of where I think the offer should be, yep. A, based on comps, B, based on uh, competing offers. If I don't know that information... And let's say it's it is their dream house, and there are three offers on the table that I didn't know there's three offers. We submit an offer, they sign something. I waste my time, I waste their time, we waste the listing agent's time because we're nowhere near where the actual offer should be. Yep. And th- I find out later that hey, you know what? We would have paid X amount over to get this house because it has everything. Mm-hmm. If I don't have the time to do that research, and again, this just goes back to giving us a little bit of heads up, um, and why we do the things we do when we when we show houses. Uh, the more information I have, I can be on the spot and say, hey, here's the deal, guys. This is what we need to be to actually be competitive. So if you guys really love this house, let's go home. You guys talk it out. Let me know. And then now the conversation just is, hey, I wrote up the offer. We need to sign it. We'll submit it. And now I can get people in their home faster. Right? I mean, I've, I've gotten the phone call. Hey, can we can we do this in an hour? I will pull the house. I'm familiar with most most um, neighborhoods. I'll know well, yeah, part. Hugo's got like eight houses, bro. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to own that town well, one day. I mean, so, and, and with that being said, I mean, you both brought up a good point as, as far as not only does it take the buyer knowing what they want, it also takes the seller setting the house up to show things that they want yeah. to stand out in the home yeah. as well as, pro- as possible. So, Jameson, on that note, what I'll do the same thing to you that I did to Oscar. For some things that sellers, be mouthfeel. I'm good. Oh my god, here we go again. <laughs> here we go again. Oh, uh, so what are some things? Wait for it. I'm gonna throw it in. Don't do it. What are some things that sellers can do so that when buyers do walk in the house, they get a little bit of that creamy mouthfeel? <laughs> if you're first, my guy. All right. If, if, if you're if you're if you're working with me and you have the creamy mouthfeel, I'm sorry. Just... I'm not get. Get, get it all going for me, guys. Let me know that you got it because it'll make me excited. I'll be honest. If you're still listening to this podcast by now, I applaud. <laughs> yeah, you. I apologize. I really, well, I know there's information in here, but if you're sticking around with us, I promise we're going to make it worth it. I'm going to get a shirt. Here on make it creamy mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's going to be our. Um, here's, so I'll, I'll give you two two things that I try and get my sellers to understand. Okay. One's big picture. One's a little bit more micro. Right. The big picture is this. If you are selling your house, unless it is a very specific scenario, you are not selling it to yourself. And what I mean by that is you have to understand that the people that come into your home have their own interests, their own desires, their own wants, their own needs, their own preferences on paint color and furniture and window treatments and backyard decor and everything. That means nothing to you as a seller if you, unless you Take it personal, I guess. You right? can't please everyone. You can't please everybody. The whole purpose is, and again, you, a real estate transaction 
is exactly that. It is a business transaction. You are selling an asset, somebody's buying an asset, right? Great. Now, just because you spent 25 years within that asset and you decided to paint a castle mural in your stairwell that you absolutely love because your daughter's into princesses and you know you spent $5,000 commissioning an artist to paint this mural in the staircase, that's all fine and good. I have but the iron thrown as on, on my toilet. Decide to <laughs> sell that to somebody else. You cannot get upset if the feedback is, I would never buy this house because of that ugly ass mural yeah. that's in the stairwell. It's not a knock on you as a homeowner whatsoever. And I run into so many sellers that take everything so personal and I get it, right? There's you have to have those personal attachment. conversations with them. Yeah. Exactly. But Absolutely. that's what I try to get them to understand. First and foremost, before we even put the house on the market for showings, you have to understand that if you're not willing to change certain things, that's fine. But then you can't turn around and be upset with some of the feedback, especially if it's personal touches and things that you may have put time and energy and whatnot into, right? Um, I go into, there's an Instagram page. You guys should follow it. This is a shameless, like, no plug. I don't, I'm not getting paid for this. But Zillow Gone Wild, if you guys haven't gone onto that. I have not. No, oh, my God. It's hilarious. This dude just gets submissions from these MLS photos. And, I mean, dude, there was a house that had, like, 4,700 porcelain dolls all throughout the house. And it was this person's passion, whatever. House never sold, right? <laughs> um, you guys see that one in Colorado Springs that's on? That's which one? Right now? It has all like the multi room is multi yes exactly plus yep. walls and stuff yeah which, exactly which you, you there's opposite ends of the spectrum some of you might do it from a nostalgia standpoint mm -hmm. but most people aren't going to touch the house for the price right yeah. so the first thing I try and get sellers to understand is you guys are getting your houses ready to for either open houses or showings mm -hmm. understand that we may suggest strongly mm -hmm. different things to do to clean up the house not a knock on you but we understand I am in charge Oscar Charlie you guys are in charge of selling an asset. That asset needs to be as clean and neutral as possible going forward so we get the most amount of eyeballs on it, exactly. especially in a slower market. That's what's going to sell your house. We're hired to do a job. Yeah. It's not personal. I'm not I'm not knocking on anything that you have in this home. Nope. But if I wasn't being honest and I want to be honest, this is what we need to do to the home. Exactly. I had that conversation. Yep. It has nothing to do because a quick example, my mom, when we sold her home, mm -hmm. burgundy carpet. I told her, you need to rip this out. Well, I just installed it two years ago. I don't care. Yeah. I, unless we have that burgundy, well, burgundy okay. carpet guy that wants to come yep. in and buy our house, it's not going to happen. So so what, from from both of you guys then, yep. so you know, earlier I asked, what are, what are some major things? I Personally, I, I know of two things right off the bat that most agents ask their sellers to do. Mm -hmm. And just so our, our you know viewers and listeners know, what are some main things that they could be prepared for their realtors to ask as they're getting ready and thinking about selling their home? What should they mentally prepare themselves to fix before they, here's, before they do their shopping? I'll give you three. Yep. Go for it. Number one, declutter. Yes. Yes. Declutter. I understand you've lived in your house 15 years and that's just how it is. And it, you may be used to it. Kids may be used to it. Declutter. I'm talking clean countertops. If you've ever walked into a show home, make it look like a show, right? right. Little things that people don't understand or don't recognize uh, your pantry. Yep. Right. Declutter your pantry because people will open the doors. Closets. Declutter and organize your closets. And I know most of you guys have peanut butter and, and cans in there from 2012. So. Exactly. I mean, I have them because my dogs, that's the only way they eat medicine. <laughs> but yes. So declutter is one. I was right? like, no, I clean that up. The second one, the second big one that I know a lot of people are going to push back on, depersonalize. Yes. Right. I love your kids. Love your dogs. But if you got 47,000 pictures in your house. The whole purpose of showing a house is to make it feel like the buyer is buying their own space. 
while you may think it's a good personal touch, a lot of times people will sit there and say, well, I see this is somebody else's house. It actually makes them less likely to want to make it home. Living your house. Well, I was going to say, and, and think about the psychology of it, right? If you walk into a home and you feel like somebody else lives there, are you going to feel comfortable? I wouldn't. Again, live in your home, but I always tell everybody, Live in your home. I'm not saying, you know, don't eat in your kitchen. Yes. And don't, yes. yes, live in your home. But when you leave in the morning, leave it like you're leaving a, well, not a hotel because, you know. No, a show home. Some, someone comes in and yeah, does yeah. it for you, but. Uh, you don't, yeah. An Airbnb. Yes. yes. Leave it like an Airbnb. Yes. Charge so live in your yeah. home, but mm-hmm. also pretend you're renting this now. Yes. You're yes. getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. Your your mind is somewhere else. Your mind is your, on your next home. Let's, let's make that the priority. Yeah. Declutter. Get your stuff out. Again, you're hiring me to do a job. I don't take it personal. If you don't want to do that, okay. But I have to communicate that with you. Yep. So I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with a I might actually use this for myself. It's the three D's. Declutter, depersonalize, depolarize. So what I mean about depolarize, I mean that Shake it like a Polaroid picture? Hey. No. Outcast? Maybe. Andre three thousand? Yes. Uh when I say depolarize, what I mean is think neutral, right? People like neutral paints. Yep. Neutral carpet. Neutral, obviously you can't change things like tile, backsplash, kitchen counters, but if there's a room that is just pink mm-hmm. and you're truly wanting to sell the house, paint it neutral, and right? And that's what I wanted to touch on, right? Is a lot of people, when they're getting ready to sell their houses, they go in and they go, I'm going to sell my house and I'm going to make a profit. Uh, that's it. I'm, I'm going to make money. Guys, you got to spend money to make money. Correct. And what, what Jameson's talking about, all you know, the triple Ds, really what it comes down to is make your home sellable. Make your home show ready. And again, as real estate agents, we're, we're not coming in trying to get you to spend money when you're trying to make money. That's the last thing that we want to do. And the stuff we tell you, usually it's the lowest cost with the highest value. Exactly. So, I mean, Oscar, as an example, in your experience, how much can changing a carpet change the game when it comes to you selling your house? A whole lot. Right? A whole lot. Carpet and paint are the two major things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying every, every listening is paint, but- as you're decluttering and you're like, oh, this is kind of dingy, a fresh coat of paint and carpet makes a world of difference. And, and again, those are the two most inexpensive, unless you go like to one of the big. Yeah. But I have contractors. Yeah. I have carpet guys that will come in and, you know, just replace and get paid at closing. Yep. And it will it will it will definitely get you more buyers and a higher value. And right there is a point too, guys, as agents, we're not just asking you to change these things. And then saying, oh, well, we hope for the best. This is something that's already in our plan. As we sit down and start talking to you and the right real estate agent won't take a listing if they don't think that they can help you prepare it and sell it, right? Um, And I think it's the most important part of all of this talk when it comes to showings is remember the psychology of somebody walking into your house. You want them to walk in and be able to imagine themselves in the home. If there's pictures of you and your kids in, in Bermuda or, or snowboarding, or whatever, it's going to be a lot harder for them to do that. Granted, I love to see it. Everybody loves to see that family, that happy. But yeah, if I'm going over there for a barbecue, not exactly. When was the last time you guys bought a, a used car? Anybody? Yep. Most people buy used cars, right? Yep. Yep. Well, imagine where does a used car come from? Someone else. Somebody else bought it and then gave it back to the dealership, traded it in something else. So imagine if you traded in your used car, and the dealership said, "Yeah, this is fine. Put it back on the lot." with a sticker price on it and it had some candy wrappers and it had some fingerprints and smudges on the window you'd sit in that car and you go mm. i can't see my say hey hold on see? if 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 i if if i would have 
went and looked at my car that I just bought and they had fuzzy dice on the mirror, hell yeah, I, was, I wouldn't even <laughs> test drove it. I was like, this is the one. Well, Al's locking this. Oscar likes the finer things in life. You know what I'm saying? I think um, the, the, to summarize what you asked me, yeah. declutter, all of trash, dishes, things that you don't think people will look at because the thing that you don't think people are going to see in your house, they're going to see in their house. They're going to open closets. They're going to open up pantries. They're going to open up cabinets. So declutter, get rid of just unnecessary things. Yep. And, and honestly, it's a good practice as you move. Maybe you just have to move less shit now, which is great. Yes. Yes. 100%. And with that being said, the cool part about setting up for a showing is open houses play very well into showings, right? And luckily for us, you know, open houses, if, you, if you're already prepared for showings, you're going to be prepared for open houses. Um, but, you know, like I said, we are going to touch on showings and open houses, but luckily we can kind of do open houses in, I think, five minutes or less, right? Sure. And we have very different viewpoints on open houses. Yeah. And this is an indus industry thing. Yes, so. absolutely. So for me as a new agent, I love when people do open houses because it gives me an opportunity to show the house, learn more about the houses, see different houses, but also get clients, right? And a lot of the point of open houses is for agents to talk with people and maybe get get a buyer client out of it and help somebody out, mm -hmm. right? But with that being said, transitioning into from the showing into the open house, everything that Jameson just talked about, the triple Ds, is exactly what you need to what do. What if a triple house? Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I don't want Guy Fieri up in here trying to sue us because we're taking the triple Ds. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're right. 3D. 3D. All right. Yeah. Put the 3D glasses on. Oh. Hey, if you're a seller, put your 3D glasses on. Boom. Declutter. Depersonalize, Trademark. depolarize. Yeah. Those are the three things. Yep. All right. One more time. One more time. Trademark. One more time. Declutter. Get rid of trash. Ten. Organize. Depersonalize. Some personal pictures are good, but don't overkill. Depolarize. Go as neutral as possible with the different things. Carpet, paint are the big ones. Okay. Now, Charlie. Yeah. Why do you think, or in your viewpoint, open houses are valuable? I think open houses are value valuable. One, honestly, for me, for from what I've seen, is one big reason and that is the herd mentality. Um, when you have, when you just do a showing, it's literally just one person and their agent walking through. In the open houses that I've done, when you have multiple people walking through the home and you have somebody that's really enjoying it, really liking it, they point out something, again, you're getting more eyes on it. People are gonna see things that you didn't expect. So when you get other people in and they're like, oh, I really like this house. Now you have two groups in there, three groups in there, like, oh, I really like this house. And they hear everybody else talking about how much they like it. All right, cool. Let's. Let's make this a little bit more competitive. We're we're a little bit more interested. That's what I like about it. And that's his uh his degree talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, Jameson, what's your viewpoint on open houses? <laughs> I think open houses without a purpose are fucking stupid. <laughs> okay, I I do, and I I say that from a seller's perspective. Here's why: ninety percent of the agents out there, how do they conduct an open house? They're gonna go to the house. And they're going to walk from the house to the main road and they're going to stick signs in the yard. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to stick signs at an intersection. And then maybe they'll stick signs at a second intersection. Okay. Ooh, Which there, then man. does what? It captures the traffic for somebody that happens to be in that specific neighborhood. Mm -hmm. How many times do you see somebody move? And I'm, this is funny. I'm throwing myself in the bus because I did this exact same thing. But for the most part, move from one part of the neighborhood just to the other part. Right? Yeah as an interested buyer, those are the people that you're capturing. You put the schedule of the open house in the MLS, which then hits Redfin, which then hits uh, Zillow, et cetera, right? So now you've expanded a little bit your your people, your, your customer base to get eyes on it to anybody that saved that house mm -hmm. and says, hey, there's an open house on Saturday from 10 to 2, okay? 
So to me, from if you're doing it from a, I want to get business standpoint, as an agent, it makes a ton of sense. Do as many open houses as you guys possibly can if you're an agent and you're listening to this because it's an opportunity to get clients and learn the market and do different things, right? Yep. But as a seller, I have a hard time unless my agent has a very specific plan and how he's going to market and set up said open house that it actually really makes a massive difference, right? Because again, if I'm just putting the signs in a specific neighborhood, let's say Crystal Valley Ranch in Castle Rock, but I've got a client in Green Valley Ranch that wants to move to South Douglas County and that particular house isn't on their search, are they ever going to see it? Mm. No, unless they happen to be driving in Crystal Valley and go, hey, there's an open house, cool, right? There's ways to send out flyers, right, which are inexpensive, just being honest, where I can do a flyer and I can send out 7,000 agents within Douglas County. The MLS has it now. The MLS has it now as well, right? There are ways to advertise via social media, whether it's TikTok, whether it's a home walkthrough to to get eyeballs on. There's ways to actually conduct open houses when you're in there to actually give actionable information to give clients, right? Quick plug for Fathom. They have, uh, uh, you just click it and it goes to a, a certain area that you're yes. doing an open house. Right. It quick. So little things like that, then I'm okay with the open house. But I've walked into enough open houses to understand that the level of, effort is lacking and that's why from a marketing standpoint i don't think they make a ton of sense unless you're done unless they're done right and again vet your agents people yes, yes. from my standpoint sometimes good sometimes shit <laughs> that's just how i view open houses this is so from from an agent standpoint yes you uh, an open house is to get more buyers on on an industry level that's why we do open houses sometimes it's a good or sometimes it's a shit yes so maybe they can name if, the if done, soccer done, player that that quote is from Yes. <laughs> if, if done well, I knew an agent that all he did was open houses. Back in the day, he was great at it and he sold homes. I have done my fair share of open houses when I do it. It's a digital online. And if I'm not, if, if I don't at least have 15 signs out, I'm doing it wrong. So I litter the hell out of my signs. I put balloons on them. I capture eyeballs. Uh, they're, 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 they're baking cookies. I'm baking cookies in their home. I'm doing this. Yes, have, you're making them bake cookies? No, I'm... I'm <laughs> Bacon and dang before the open house. Do so it could smell. I'm, I'm doing the whole gamut, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But again, I've only sold two mm-hmm. houses from open houses right. in 18 years. Wow. So, but if, if a house is stagnant and it's not going, I'm going to say, you know what? I know open houses isn't what you want to do because I tell sellers, mm-hmm. I will do open houses at your request. If they're like, yes, every Thursday, mm-hmm. boom, I'm there every Thursday. I'm, I'm yep. there to work for them. Yep. But I always say, I, at your request, I will do an open house. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I haven't sold. They're not effective to buy for buyers. Yep. I did just There's other ways, right? And that's where I target my money and my time. So, I mean, great point for the viewers at home. One thing that, again, vetting your agents, ask them about how they conduct open houses and yes. how they feel about open houses. I'd also love to hear what you guys think about yeah. open houses, either that you've been to. If it makes the seller sold? feel good, I'll take yeah, it. I'll do it. wasn't sold a house in the past, what did you think of the agent? It's open house that was hosted at your own property. I'd love to yeah. hear that. And, and, and you know what? It's a great opportunity right? for your neighbors to go see what kind of stuff you have at your house. That's my biggest thing. We're going to get looky-loos and, and your neighbors. Well, the crazy and, part is it's a meme at this point. And people are like, oh, my God, ha, ha, that's funny. It's like, it is funny, but it's funny because it's true. Yeah, 100% people, true. Had, and and I, I had this very, very, very quick side story. I was doing an open house in Aurora. And people came by to take a look at it. And about 20 minutes into the conversation, they go, oh, we're the neighbors. And I go, oh, okay. Well, just out of curiosity, have you guys never been in this house before? And my neighbors, they live next door. Yep. You guys have never been in this house? Oh, no, we've never been in this house before. 
So we want to come in and take a look at how they decorate because it's the same floor plan. You know, number one, it's fucking creepy. <laughs> very <laughs> Number two, you guys weren't very good neighbors if in 10 years you you've know. never been invited into this house. Right. So why does it make it okay now if you guys come over and be like, oh my God, they chose Corian countertops? That's disgusting. Yep. Get the fuck out. Yes. <laughs> Nobody cares about yes. your opinion. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Your opinion matters just to your agent. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. There's, um, there are exceptions. Okay? So, so with that being said, and we're going to do it this time, all right, guys? We're going to do it. No, we're not. It is time for the One Rock Takeaway. Did we not do it last time? Oh, no, we did it. But again, concise. I want I want a sentence. Well, chap, mine's easy. All right. All right. So I will go first. Don't steal my 3D. I'm not. I'm okay. not. I promise. My one rock takeaway from today is vet your agent, ask them questions, learn about what works best for you and how to best sell your home or help buy a home. Oscar? Open houses. That's why my that's that's. <laughs> See, he did agree with this whole time. I'm, he's unless the seller the loves them, I will did disagree. With if you. the seller says I want open houses every day, I am doing open houses. I work for the consumer, mm-hmm. but I I I don't enjoy them. I'm gonna tell you the truth. I really don't. Um, and there's better ways to market a home. I just that's just the way I feel. Um, Alrighty. And the second one is. Um, let's two rock take. Yeah, two and okay. and give us some time to. Vet the homes before we show them. Yep. Give me, give me at least three hours, please. If not, I mean, I'll get there, but I'll be like, okay, I, I know minimal amount of the home. Yep. Two, those two things. If you're a seller, put your 3D glasses on. Declutter, depersonalize, depolarize. And ladies and gentlemen, that is a record for Jameson Shortest Run Walk. One rock takeaway. It's taken 11 episodes, but we got there. I'm here to please. We're One getting better. We're getting we better. did it. We did it. All right. Uh, so I'm just gonna start speaking in acronyms. Right? <laughs> <Speed> <laughs> you had up. a great stalemate what was it, two weeks ago. He's he's good with the wordings, that's for sure. Um, so now we move into the the leisurely part, and that is the bourbon review. Oh, I can't right? Yeah, yeah. Put the put the feet up. Throw it back. I got my boots on. I'm. You know what? I'm I'm comfortable today. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't come dressed up. I, you look I'm, good. I'm, yeah. I'm actually I'm 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 again I'm training for a half marathon and. I didn't have time, and I was like, you know. Hey, what? if people want to come cheer you on, where's that half marathon? At? It's gonna and be. I, don't, I haven't looked at all that. Um, it, it, it's a cold. Just running. It's the cold running. It's the Colfax. No, no. Google Colfax half. It's the Colfax half. It's on Colfax somewhere. Yeah, it's on Colfax somewhere. It's in May. See, you know what? Come out. No, dude. Come out. It'll be awesome. I'll run for you, Colorado natives. Though there's certain areas of Colfax that you can get a creamy mouthfeel. Oh, good. Effing lord. And. On that, note, on that note, we're going to comment on the great mouthfeel here. All right. So um, now it's time for our rock review. I'm excited for this one. I, I am, especially Start after last week. Start us off. Right. All right. So for my rock, my rock rating, um, I'm going to give this one a, a solid two. And it's funny because we all avoid the one, but... I feel like the one is going to be reserved when we do our blind test. Have we had the one yet? We have not. We haven't. We have not. But this what was the closest. Do you remember? Uh, McKenna was close. Uh, the McKenna pro- was close. The, the Elijah Craig barrel. And Elijah Craig. And like I said, this honestly, one. if I could, I would give this one a 1.5. Yeah. It, it, in all reality, to to keep it away from the one just for the sake of it. One but, rock and then some sonic ice. Yes. Yes. Uh, Dang. Yeah. Yes. yes. Sonic ice. One 1.5 1. Um, for me, specifically because... Again, as you're sipping through it, the, the first sip, you get all the flavor. Yeah. But then, you know, as you're going it gets through to it and you're drinking, you're right. You're right. No, no, it gets to the point. It gets to the point. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just like I, it, 
I, I was about to say, oh, me? All right, cool. Done. But <laughs> no, no. Keep as, an, as an example, Sorry. yes, this bourbon gets to the point. It's smooth. Yep. It's flavorful. Um, I honestly would not make a cocktail with this. I, I Any kind of a cocktail, I wouldn't just because I thoroughly enjoy the flavor, yep. the flavor of the bourbon itself. And I can imagine adding a single rock to it or even just a little, little drip of water, let it open up a little bit would make it that much better. Oscar would make a cocktail, and that cocktail would be an old-fashioned. Absolutely. Yeah. I would definitely make one. All right, Oscar, so with that, what are you looking at? It's a great bourbon. I, I love this. Um, I would definitely make an old-fashioned because it does have all those flavor profiles, yeah. and it's a strong bourbon. It gets to the point when you, you, you as soon as it, it hits the tongue, coats it with that. Mm-hmm. Come on, that's that was your cue to first. Creamy mouth. Feet. I will not say that again. <laughs> so uh, it gets to the point. It, 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 it's, a, it's a great bourbon, and... Um, I definitely make an old fashioned just because it will hold up to it. Yeah. Okay. God, that's fair. Okay. So what do you what do you think? I, I'll give it a solid two. Solid. And two. again, I'm reserving that one for that one yeah. bottle. I don't know if it'd be like yep. Hopefully, we get to episode 100. But I'm gonna hold off to. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Hands down, this is the best I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And it might not be the most expensive. We'll see. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll start off the rating. I'll give it a two. I do want to give it a one and a half, mm-hmm. but the the specter of doing like a blind taste test yeah. i think we'll kind of if we have three or four that are in that category this fits in the top bourbons we've through 11 episodes yeah. this is in the top three 100 um i can see it as a cocktail from an old-fashioned i would prefer smoked probably mm-hmm. just to give it a little bit more of that charcoal flavor but i could drink this neat all day long mm-hmm. uh it's smooth it's easy I, it can pair well with how i can I can imagine myself having a nice steak. I was going to say, this you know, This is definitely a dinner bourbon. Yep, absolutely. A dinner bourbon. Something spicy. Something, yeah. Italian. Yeah. Yeah. Like yes. chimichurri on it. Mm-hmm. Something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so, even with that, oh, good, some good chorizo. Yes. Even, even like good a good burrata. Uh, yeah. This, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is great. Yeah. No, I, I think this is a solid. Because the burrata is cream. Yeah. And, and again, <laughs> the, the the crazy part about this is the uh, it's it's the whiskeys from Kentucky, mm. but I got to give it to the smoke wagon master distillers and mixers 100% that have picked these barrels tasted these barrels individually put them together and come up with this yep you know yes. i mean this is some will say yeah it's kind of a frankenstein whiskey which it is right so it's frankenstein bourbon whatever you want to call it cuz it's not created in bardstown in kentucky it's not old school but it's fucking good it is very good. so if you guys can find this bottle 10 out of 10 recommend absolutely yep. and on that note guys it's been a wonderful episode can't mm-hmm. wait to meet back with you next week. Cheers, Absolutely. Guys. So one more time, remember to uh, get in contact with us, yep. R-E-S-O-T-R at themilehighperspective.com. And for the phone number, 303-578-0263. Add a cheat because it's brand new. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> have a great week, everybody. It's hey, been appreciate it, always. Subscribe. Cheers, as always. Like and subscribe, baby. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel.